0: Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross-cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry.
1: And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And, of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents, raising confident Korean American children.
0: Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful.
1: Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jang Cho. Um, This is our second uh, episode of Ask Dr. Jang Cho. Um, Before we start, I'm going to read this disclaimer. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Jang Cho. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. They are informational purposes only, and in no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. Because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Okay, so today, um, I, instead of um, answering some of the questions, I wanted to take this time to talk a little bit about the topic that I really hold dear, late into my heart, um, especially working with Asian-American families uh, and Korean-American families, this is Um, An information that um, I give out a lot um, during my private practice um, with families because of the questions that I get so many. And so um, I wanted to take this time in our podcast um, and talk about it. The topic that uh, I want to talk about today is... um, Uh, kind of touches on generational trauma for um, any immigrant families, but also um, about how we um, as korean American parent to our children, but also um, sons and daughters of our immigrant parents, um, what, what kind of baggages that we bring in and what kind of bandages that we bring in um, and how we solve that, resolve that uh, difficulty. Um, I think this is the one topic that I get the qu- most questions. Um, the questions come in very different forms, but the crux of all of those questions I get are, um, you know, molded into this one bottom line, where how do I resolve my own Difficulties uh, when, as a growing up as an Asian American, to be able to be a better parent for my next generation uh, Asian American child, and also how do I uh, make amends with my parents' parenting? So, first of all, um, I don't know if anybody knows the term goes from nursery. Um, This is actually a book um, that most therapists and psychiatrists, um, are indoctrinated (laughs) into, Um, and it's a great book, Um, but I think the, the, the gist of the, um, phrase is that everyone, um, no matter where you're in your life, um, what has happened in your infancy, even in your parents' womb, um, and your childhood will, will follow you through most of your life and, um, you know, good things and bad things. And you do have to take time to reflect on them and make amends with them because that's what's going to make you feel better in the end. But also, um, these difficulties can amplify as you become a parent, uh, yourself and, In order to have a better relationship with your child, um, the relationship that you would like with your child, um, you do have to uh, introspectively reflect on your own childhood and get resolved things that you felt like it wasn't resolved. Um, One of the things that I get a lot of questions about is how do I give my child what my, I wasn't given as a, as a child myself. And I think this is something that we talk a lot about among my friends, but also with me and Jerry, um, from anything concrete, like language issues, but also something that's more philosophical, like how do we uh, teach our child children empathy? How do we ch- teach our, our children how to uh, appreciate things, but also know that your parents actually love you unconditionally? Um, I think one of the things that really trigger most um, Asian-Americans or Korean-American parents, my generation, is that those things were not verbalized to us as children. Um, And so there's some um, mixed feelings about what you haven't gotten um, and also what you are able to give when you haven't been able to get what you wanted as a child, um, I think what you have to reflect on is, well, how did, how, how did my parents love me? And looking at that objectively, and that's really difficult when when you're still in this relationship with your parents. And a lot of the parents, I me mean, included, I think you you still have continued that relationship with your parents where there is some conflict. You still love them, and they still love you, but there is definitely underlying some conflict and misunderstanding, as most parents and child relationship are. Um, but I think looking at that more directly and objectively, and take a look at what what your what has really had positive effect on you that your parents have done for you. Um, I think um, really shifts a little bit of perspective. Um, it, this is very difficult for most immigrant parents and uh, families because there ha- um, there's a lot of cultural gap, um, language gap. As well as generational gap. If you stay in one country and you uh and live there forever with your parents and your you know uh, your relatives, you still have some cultural gap and generational gap. Um, but that gets very much amplified multiple generations in one one generation because you're you're really pushing the boundaries by being in a different country. Um, your your experience in that country is very different from what your parents have experienced, even though you guys lived through the same era. So there's a um, bigger gap of misunderstanding and bigger gap of conflicts. Um, so in resolving that, I think that's the key to um, getting some peace in your mind, um, but also, um, being able to um, you know, unlock your potential as a great parent.
0: I think you bring up such interesting questions that maybe, and this is the whole point of this discussion, is we don't know what we don't know, and yet we feel like we need to know these things for us to be better parents, or not even better, um, better, better connotes that the way that our parents raised us wasn't good enough how we accept the differences and understand the nuances and the contextual situations that our parents were in themselves, because it's so easy to look down or be angry or any of these negative emotions towards our parents for not having done enough, regardless of whatever situation that you're in. And and there was something that I just said during our conversation, I guess. We're going to go back in reverse order. You're going to hear it on our conversation with Jenny Kim next week. Um, but it's this notion that uh, what was the bigger gap? Our parents having learned from our grandparents who are literally people who were occupied by a different country, uh, went through a war, lost siblings, were poor, literally just running. And then having to raise us or our parents or us. Um, being raised by those parents and then trying to survive and and raise, you know, bicultural, um, kids here in America. I I don't think we have, and again, this is not to put down any of, um, or invalidate any of the feelings that you may have, but dude, our parents went through a lot more than we think. Um, our, our grandparents, um, we would never survive, um, what they went through. And so I, I think starting there for me has been, um, really, uh, healing in a way, you know, there, there's that healing part and then there's the actual like, am I ever going to talk to my parents about this? That's a big gap. But at least to really empathize with where they're coming from and to really understand that just the way that we love our children unconditionally, our parents do the same. They just, and this is not an excuse, they just didn't know the system well enough. And then they were raised in a society where, in Korea, where education and money solved a lot of problems. Or at least they were told that it solved a lot of problems. So that's what they went to study hard, we'll put you in the best schools, the best programs, do all the extracurriculars, and that will make you into a, you know, what the hell does that mean? But I, I think there's also a big disconnect between this and happiness. Um, and, and that, I think, trying to bridge that gap has been a, a journey for me, but you know, how how do how do we um, what, what are some practical things? Is it just through Talking to your parents, understanding, is it reading history books from Korea back in those days to really understand what they went through? Um, Because again, I I think in our own insular minds, it is simple. The easy thing to do is to poo-poo on them and say, they did it wrong. I'm going to do it the right way. Um, And we see that chatter a lot amongst not just us, but even younger brothers and sisters who are just so angry at their parents. And then so they just go completely the opposite way and without trying to repair that. Um, what, what are some things that in, in general that you've advised patients do or resources that you recommend?
1: So first of all, I like that word, <laughs> 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 I'm going to so coin it and, and use it. Um, but I think, I think, you know, um, looking at bigger perspective, I think, um, so I'm, I'm going to be talking, this, this is more geared towards, um, You know, parents my age, so um, us in our you know late twenties and thirties and forties that we're kind of sandwiched in between our young children and our um, um, aging parents. Um, I think for us at at this stage of our life, um, we the, the biggest thing that we have to accomplish is to separate myself from the daughter or the son that my parents wanted right? Um, and not feeling guilty about those two not being the same. Um, and uh, and I think that's where the happiness will actually come. When you do realize what you want to be, um, doesn't have to be what your parents might have wanted you to be. Um, and so that uh, separation of identity, um, I think that happens a lot... Um, a lot um later <laughs> uh, uh for a lot of Korean Americans um than you know uh white Americans because of the way that we were brought up and emphasis on collectivism but also being the face of the family and uh, also as a part of being an immigrant family where you might be the first one to go to college um at all, or go to college in America first time. Um, and, and all of these things you bear so much on your shoulders. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to cut everything out, um, but to give yourself a chance to be yourself on your own, apart from all the duties that you feel, um, so that you can figure out what really makes you happy. Um, I think that is the key. It's, Definitely easier said than done. Um, but I think when you do have your own children, this is, you have more more motivation and um, push to find yourself because that's what's going to make your, your child happy too. Um, when you, you know, I think of life and family, especially in Korean American family and, and mine included is a very big tangled ball of yarn and um when you are slowly slowly pulling it so that it becomes less tangled is I think that's I think of that as happiness when you make it simpler and when you're able to untangle some of those things so that things are more clear for you Um, so that's I don't know if that's concrete enough um but I think that's number one Number two is, I think, um, you know, we kind of shishy and hush this um, and, you know, it can be cliche, but I really want people to look at their mental health. Um, And uh, unfortunately, um, most Asian Americans and Korean Americans included, um, well, sometimes I think it's definitely very much so in korean american community is that a lot of people don't realize that they're living in the state of maybe mild depression or anxiety um Hmm. um and when you do have those you are not fulfilling your life to its full potential when i say fulfilling it doesn't mean like you know You know, academic success. uh, Yes, that those two. Um, you're not fulfilling those potentials, but the potential to become yourself genuinely and be happy. Um, and the one thing about um um, depression and anxiety in Asian Americans is that uh that is very different from manifestation of anxiety and depression in um maybe just other white Americans. Um, is that the functioning of the person outside of your your body. So like your schooling, your work, um, all of those things. Well, as a uh, psychiatrist educated in America, um, I was educated that that's the number one thing to go when when someone's depressed or anxious. And that's the one thing that we look at. But in Asian Americans, that's the last thing to go. Um, because it is such an importance in our, our community, in our upbringing, that that's the number one thing that you have to keep at it, right? So that's your number one priority. So um, even when you're depressed or when you're anxious, um, you're going to be an amazing student. You're going to be amazing employee, employer. Um, but when you come home, it is the inside that really kind of dies down. Um, I call it the functional depression. And, and that's, And this is number one reason why it is so difficult to recognize um, that you're depressed, or your friend is depressed, or you're anxious. Um, And so I think really quite looking at yourself and think about, well, how am I doing? Um, Physically and mentally, I think it's really important um because of what we just talked about like separating yourself from your uh, family and, and kind of looking inward towards yourself none of this can happen unless you're actually clear in your mind and feel yeah. good and um you know when when we're all just living this really busy life um, those things can be the last thing on the priority because you just need to wake up in the morning and get going and especially with the covid you know you're taking care of your children you're taking care of your elderly parents and Um, it it becomes the last thing you want to talk about. Um, But in the end, I think putting that effort um, and investment into yourself is what's going to make yourself, not only yourself better, but your family and your children as well.
0: I think that's really important to um, acknowledge because one of the downsides of the Korean collectivist mindset is that you should always be in the mind of sacrificing right? Always be sacrificing. And that also is compounded with, um, just right. Just keep trying. And even more is toxic for men who always get told right. Grown men don't cry. Tough guys don't cry. And, and and so we've, we're building on decades, if not centuries of just shut up and do what's best for society. Right Like your opinions don't matter, your feelings don't matter. we need to get things done, we need to move towards it, which is maybe understandable if at the end of the collectivist movement that everybody benefits, but that's not also the case, even within nuclear families, not everybody wins when the family wins, and so I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's okay to have those feelings because we've been raised, and again let's let's bring in our parents and the way in the world that they grew up in. There was no. Any of the stuff that we're talking about for them, right? Um, and let's also unfortunately, you know, there's a heavy, heavy negative, not even a neutral connotation, a very negative connotation with mental health illness in Korea, in the Korean culture, right? Just, you know, we all know what we're talking about, right? I hope everybody understands, like, um, when somebody is acting irrationally, you just say, Hey, are you like, you know, mentally challenged? Like that's the initial reaction. And or somebody just says, like, hey. They're just, you know, mentally unstable, and that somehow explains all their shortcomings. And so, you know, it's hard, and I think it's just enough, or it's it's a a big shift just to even acknowledge that these things exist for for us to be talking about. And I think admission and acknowledgement is a very very big first step in helping to get to a place where there's no destination um, in terms of any of this, right? So. And so tell us a little, you know, for for the last little bit of my, my question or my curiosity, like, how do you check in on yourself and to how do you know that you've made progress? You know, th- these aren't physical, you know, uh, metrics that you can, you know, whether it's your blood pressure or whatever, there's no like checking in to be like, hey, I'm doing okay. Like, how how do you know if you're doing okay?
1: So... Um, I think there are two things. So personally, (laughs) I think, um, one of the things that really helped me, um, to get over all these things that I felt like I didn't get as a child was, um, shifting my perspective and saying, well, my parents were limited in some ways and they've done their best. Um, and, 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 you know, it took a long time, but, I think I made a progress because I looked at what they were given and what they've done. Um, and that really gave me some peace that my parents really loved me and they did their best. Um, and, and so that's been very helpful. Um, for me, when I am not doing very well, especially, um, um, so I, well, number one, I, I, I now know what are my triggers. Um, So like for me, very concretely, like if I don't get enough sleep, (laughs) um, not only am I cranky, but my mood will go down and I can see my thoughts being negative on that day. And so that's actually very concrete um, stuff. Um, um, And, you know, spouse or your partners can come in to let you know that you're not doing very well um, because they know you very well. Right. Um, So they can give you tips on, you know just give you, you know, you're not, you're not as positive today, or you just don't uh, look like yourself today. Um, So that's a one checkup. Um, Also, when, you know, things that used to bother you, but you can kind of like uh, push through, and that doesn't happen. It just becomes much more of a problem on a the, on the, uh, more regular basis. You know that there's something going on with yourself. Um, I think as a parent, I think this is also important. Like, you know, when my child is being very needy on a good day, I can deal with it and I can stay calm. Uh, I might go and yell uh, in the bathroom, but I don't do it in front of the child. But that fuge gets really, really short when I'm not doing very well. So, um, so knowing my triggers, I think is very really important
0: and and I think for uh parents out there with a partner in your life, I think something that I've learned uh continued to learn is relying on them uh to check each other and check yourselves in whatever honest, authentic you know transparent way that works for the two or how many of you. Um, or are raising your children together, because you need to. Uh, we are spending more and more time um, with our immediate families or whoever your bubble is these days. Um, so I think it's ever more important to intentionally set aside time because kids. We're, we're with our kids twenty four seven. You know, my wife goes to work, and so I think that's a good break for whatever you know it's considered. But for you and for other people, like you're home 24-7 and you don't get a break, you don't go to work, you don't get, a, you don't get alone time in your car, um, you don't have date nights, you don't have all these things that um, for all the right reasons of keeping everybody safe, we've temporarily eliminated that from our lives. So how do you carve time for each other? Because especially when you have children at home, um, and, and this is exactly the way our parents did it, and this is why we're, we're going through this. It's all about the kids. It's all about the kids, and they never took time for themselves. And it's always work, work, work. But I, I encourage people in whatever way that makes sense for you, make time for yourself, but also make time for each other, um, and, and to check because I think um, we've made a commitment to our partners to to be there for each other. And I think uh, mental health and emotional health is is goes unchecked quite a bit. And and so, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think lastly, um, you know, what we talked about today from the, goes from nursery to mental health to dealing with generational gap, as well as dealing with COVID. Um, these are really hard things to do. Um, and changing the way that you think about these things can take time and effort, and it's a lot of energy you have to put in. Um, and so it, there's going to be resistance. Within you, within other people, within your community, um, the way that I think about this for my uh, for myself is I think about the world that my daughter will live in, and how would my daughter be able to go through mental health challenges or her own parenting when she ever become if she ever becomes a parent? Is this the way that my ch- I do I want my child? to be the way that I am right now. Um, and that becomes much bigger, bigger um, impetus for me to change things myself, um, because I know that it'll make things easier for her. Um, and I think, you know, I think my parents must have done the same, just in a different way. Um, and so now I am uh, following their, their footsteps, and making things a little bit, even a little bit more easier for our next generation.
0: And I will say, um, I'm pretty sure our kids are going to grow up. Maybe they'll become parents, maybe they won't. But there will come a day when they will reflect on the way that we raise them and have similar frustrations, (laughs) Yes. even though we are sitting here saying, we are doing the best of what we have given our experience, our knowledge, and our situation to raise them unconditionally in the best way that we think is and that's exactly what our parents did for us and so you know expect that maybe in 20 30 years when our kids grow old and saying how why didn't you do this for me and and i think that's just part of life i think that is a secular impact of parenting and of children of misunderstandings and you know because the world changes like you, you and i are trying to raise kids to be successful in 2020 20 2050 oh that's far um, it's far, but that's the reality. Like it's They're going to be adults in 30 years. And, and so how the hell do we know that? We don't. We just, we're, we're going to do our best to guess. But that's what our parents did. They yeah. didn't know what America was going to be like in 2020. So they guessed. But their data set you know, was different. Their, you know, their experience set was different. So be kind to yourselves. We're rolling into holiday season. Um, you're probably getting a lot of pressure, as we all are, um, from both children to do things that you used to and from your parents and your friends to do things that you used to prioritize health number one above all and that's physical health right now stay home uh, don't see people it's hard Um, you probably are sick of hearing us or anybody else talking about it but it's getting really cold it's going to get really bad and so we're we're recording this uh, just a few days before you're hearing it so um, we've yet to see the impact of thanksgiving dinner parties and and holiday gatherings um, really manifest itself but um, take care of yourself, and please reach out if you want to talk, if you want to connect with us or anybody else. We want to provide a space where all Korean American parents can, uh, and and more, and, and and allies as well, to to connect and to uh, you know get through this thing together. So be well, and I don't know, we'll talk to you soon. Hey everybody, welcome back to Korean American Parenting. Uh, Wherever you are, uh, whenever you're listening to this, we wish you all the health and happiness. Um, we're really excited. You know, this time of year is when we start to think about gifting um, things for our children. And 2020 has been a really, really weird year where many parents, um, all of ourselves included, um, have had to take full charge in the academics department, um, particularly in the ancillary things that uh, perhaps we, uh, our schools or our daycares or other people, not, not that we weren't in charge of it, but you know, we are 100% in charge of their surroundings and everything that they see, hear, and read. And uh, one of the things that's really fundamentally important for me, and I know for Jang and our guests as well, is how do we infuse Korean culture and language into our daily lessons, um, even just through you know, absorbing the things that we as parents say in the books that we read. So really excited to share our conversation today with Katie who is the creator and founder of Tiger Boom. And so to tell us a little bit more about her, here is Jang.
1: So nice to have you on board Katie today. I want to introduce Katie a little bit. She is actually a professional illustrator and a designer who have done lots of work with corporate apparel brands like Hollister, Victoria's Secret, um, American Eagle. These are all the things I recognize. <laughs> But also, um, lately, um, she also works as a Tiger Broom creative, uh, which is, I think, um, part of her project um, that we're going to talk a little bit about, Um, and a mom to a little 23-month-old. And so, here's Katie, um, and I would like you to introduce yourself uh, in your own words as well.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jerry and Jang, for having me. Um, I'm Katie uh, I am an illustrator and yeah, new newish mom. I guess I'm not really a new mom anymore. I still feel like a new mom. Um, I live in Jersey City and yes, I've been an illustrator and designer for the last 10, 12 years, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I started out doing design and illustration for textiles and apparel, uh, like the brands you mentioned. And then more recently have been freelancing for lifestyle brands, hospitality brands, just making more kind of like illustration at its heart, how I think of it. And yes, more recently, because we have been home and because my little guy is getting older and I'm constantly, you know, struggling and questioning if I'm doing enough or engaging him enough, you know, I've started making Tiger Boom, which are free resources for families to help expose their kids to Korean. Um, and that's been a really big passion of mine. Especially during pandemic, when work has sort of slowed down, for me, and I'm I'm sure for a lot of creatives. Um, so it's been really nice to have that outlet.
1: Yeah, just a little bit more about Tiger Boom. Um, it's actually uh, a a lot of library resource full of kind of um, how to teach our kids uh, or expose the children to Korean. And I have to say, it's like the best
2: pictures <laughs> <Thank> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so I um I am an adoptee. So I was born in Korea and I was adopted when I was three months old and came here to New York. Um and I, I and my family's from New Jersey. So um when I started looking for, well, first of all, you know, my husband is not Korean. He's Chinese. Um, His his family's from Hong Kong. He's born and raised in the States. So he's like an all American boy, but you know, like uh, Chinese American. Um, And when, you know, when we talked about like, do we want to expose our son to a second language or try to have him be bilingual? You know, we're, we weren't sure, you know, what is the best thing for us to do? I think, you know, in an ideal world it would be Mandarin. Right. But you know, neither of us speak Mandarin. My husband's parents speak Cantonese, um, and they live a little bit further away from us. Um, and my husband's Cantonese, I think most second-generation people can relate. Is in my in my eyes, it's like wonderful. I'm like, wow, you're you can speak Cantonese like fluently, but to him, he has like no confidence. He won't even use it with like children. So, you know, I don't think that was really an option for us. And in college, I discovered more about my Korean roots, and I really felt connected to it and have been learning Korean since then. So 15 years I've been learning Korean on and off, and I felt that that was something we wanted our son to have exposure to. So even if he's not being brought up as like a fluent speaker, at least if he's older, he hears it and he's familiar with it or if he wants to pursue that more seriously it's not something that's totally foreign for him um so you know once we made that decision i realized like just trying to speak with him in korean like i know like school korean so i don't you know i didn't know things like you know like kaka mogale or like I didn't know the words for diaper, you know, like I didn't know how to say, you know, like even just sound, you know, like oh or like oh like, like you know, they don't learn oh that in school. God, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But these are all things no, Like that's I, true. over the last like, you know, now that we're doing language with him, um, you know, English and Korean, it's all stuff that I've had to like kind of learn because you don't learn that in college Korean or, you know, intensive Korean class, like they're not teaching that in school. So it was, I, you know, I started looking for those kind of things and, and even just the books and stuff that I could find, I felt that they didn't always match our values. You know, they were like, first of all, and I, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but like if I went on Amazon or something, there would be like, you know, like 10 books in Korean and English or 10 books that I could find in Korean. And they were like $50. And then, I, you know, or You're I could right. find, you know, like, luckily, I live close to New York City, so I could go to K-Town. Then I can buy like some kids books there and same, they're like 40 bucks. And then I would get home and I'm like, oh, it's like 10 pages of this like I don't know how I feel about it. Like, it doesn't really match our style, doesn't really match our values. And then, you know, my husband and my, my parents who are not Asian, they can't read those to my son. So when he asked for certain books, my husband's just like making up stories. Like, and then Power was like, rah! you know, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, so I really felt like there must be other families out there, you know, of our friends who have, Korean family members, I feel like almost all of them are mixed. Like uh, the mom is Korean and the dad is Chinese or the dad is Korean and the mom is, you know, American. So I felt like it, there has to be this need out there and I wanted it for myself. And so I just felt like if I'm making these things, like I'll just make them for everyone. And that's kind of how it happened. Um, I just started doing that.
1: That's actually really great that you're taking on this uh, project, um, but you t- you bring up a really a great point that, you know, when you are someone who is learning Korean as a second language yourself, really um, at schools or, you know, the books don't teach you the uh, the kids' words that you wanted to teach your children. Um, and, um, you know, it didn't even occur to me that there wouldn't be any resource for that. So um, there's really, it, your work has come out of real necessity and <laughs> your passion Definitely. um i th- i think that's really awesome as a mom to see as well
0: i think it's it's um you know we we look at all the things that we've created you know here here on the show like jang and i created this because we're like hey do you guys do you know of any other podcasts or any resources to help us like no and then so the short answer is well hell let's make it right like and i think those are <laughs> Because because it comes from, foremost, a need to fill something that we felt missing, the business and the commerce sort of follow because there is a market opportunity and there are other people that will find value in it. But I think when you look at things that are um, created by publishers or more entrepreneurially minded folks that are saying like, oh, let's go create this because we think there's something, I think it feels different than looking at your instagram or looking at something else where it's like okay like that's a passion project and then the business comes behind it and and you're uniquely positioned katie because you are a an illustrator by trade and not that you know and i think the more important part is you're an excellent illustrator but you also understand how people and how uh human beings absorb art and how they use it to better learn and understand. So um, I I, uh, echo Jank's sentiments. I think it is even an artistic, purely artistic perspective, one one of the best accounts out there right now. And it's um, only a matter of time before more more people and more parents, you know, start to understand that this is going to be a great, great resource.
2: Thank you. And it was really important for me to keep like the majority of the things that I'm making free, especially like right now in COVID, um, you know, like we're all home and we're all, like pulling our hair out, like what do we do for the next like seven hours? (laughs) And so I really wanted a lot of these like freebies and downloadables to just be free for people because, you know, a lot of these families probably are spending $40 to get a book sent to them. And so, you know, for a coloring page that just says like rainbow in Korean, like I don't want them to have to spend like $4 to download it and print it, you know, like it should just be like, I'm making them anyway. So let's just have them for everyone.
1: Yeah, it looks like your um, website has uh, downloadable uh,
2: pictures, coloring pages. I think there was something about um, stickers as well. Is that yeah, right? Yes, so I started making stickers to sell to, uh, you know, include with stuff if people want to have those at home as well, like something colorful and fun. And it's just, you know, the support I've been getting from th- this community of like Korean parents um and I, I mean that by like what you guys are saying about your p- podcast, like they're not necessarily Korean people, but they're parenting like with Korean. And I've been getting so much wonderful feedback. And a lot of people saying like, you need to make some money. You need to charge for this. And, you know, it was really important to me to have um, like an accessibility factor for people. But yeah, so that's why I started doing the stickers, um, because it's fun. My, my son is like obsessed with stickers. And I thought it's something, you know, little. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The stickers—it's everywhere. Perfect. My my home, everywhere is there Yes, me too. <laughs> but it, it
1: occupies them, right?
0: Yes. It, it yeah. It's as adults, you're like, how the hell do you find joy for thirty minutes in that? But um, when when they're quiet, I don't ask any questions. Exactly. Um, uh, Katie, share with us some things that you've learned the way. Um, you know, for for parents who might be in your shoes, as you mentioned, you have an almost two year old. You know, I have one older, one younger, but we're all trying to learn. Um, especially as we go into the colder, darker months, um, wherever you may be, um, we're not gonna be able to have the kids play outside as much. So we're gonna hunker down and you know spend more time inside the home. What, what are some tips that you can uh, share with our fellow parents and, and other folks who parent children um, on how we can incorporate Korean language, culture values into our, our daily activities um, so that we can really take this opportunity and this, you know, um, Whatever, however the situation came into our lives uh, make make the best of it and you know have our children be a little bit more um, culturally aware and educated coming out of it
2: mm-hmm. um, well I I definitely have learned a lot trying to incorporate Korean into our day um, and I think the best advice I got I've gotten so far and from what I've read is to just constantly use Korean um, with him as much as possible. And for me, that's really challenging. There's a lot of just me saying like, this, this, <laughs> this way, <laughs> try, try this, um, because I don't know specifically how to say certain things, you know. Um, uh, but from what I've learned, it's kind of just a more is better approach. And, you know, not, you know, don't nitpick yourself on, you know, maybe I didn't know that particular vocabulary for twist it around, you know, you know, just saying something and engaging and exposing the language is, is great at this stage. Um, and I think, you know, you guys have mentioned a few times, um, just having a little grace with myself has been difficult, but really important, especially during COVID. Um, also a really wonderful resource that I came across uh, is Wurisho which I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but it's sort of a similar yeah, story, them, yeah. right? Like um, Nari created this show uh, to fill a void he felt as well. And it's, it's very well done. It's like top quality. It has really fun content. Like my son is very engaged. I like the format. Um, I actually, I'm really humbled to be a, a part of the last episode. So I did like an illustration to share my story a little bit with them um, for that episode, so that has been nice. Like if I just need like a break, and I'll just put it on, and it's sort of like a guilt-free screen time and a little bit of Korean exposure as well. Um, and I think you know something recently, especially since I'm trying to juggle doing a little more work at home, is uh, giving my son some focus time. Uh, even just a couple of hours where I don't have my phone. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not doing email. I'm not tidying the house or anything. We're just playing together. And sometimes I'll do that in a more intentional way. Like I'll set out like a lesson, but other times it's just kind of like whatever he wants to do and we'll just do it together. And then I'll just try to inject Korean and like narrate things. You know, it's, it's the same as, is in reinforcing English language skills, you know, i just narrate as much as I can and repeat things. So, you know, if he's holding the car, then I'll just say like, cha, 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 you know, like over and over and and we'll do that. And then once we've had that time together, I feel a lot less guilty about, you know, being more distracted throughout the day or having to do emails or having to like update things um, or just even clean the house. Um, So that has been a nice advice that I heard recently and has been really helpful as well. Um, just in general for parenting. Well,
1: I think, I think your pa- parenting tips are actually really great. Um, I wish I knew that <laughs> when my child was 23 months <laughs> old. You're way ahead.
0: No, no, Udi show is amazing. Um, my, my friend Patty sits on their board. Oh. Um, and, and at one point, um, you know, they wanted to see if we could do, you know, some, some stuff together here. And um, fun fact, um, we wanted to call the Chanchi show, the Udi show because I also like that word. And then we decided to name it Chanchi or Korean Adoptee Show because, well, Nari had picked the name first. So, <laughs> No, but it's it's really, I, I think, you know, all, all things coming out of this pandemic, I think, has also been, again, for what it's worth, um, an opportunity for you and other creators to get creative. And, and to, you know, even for myself, we created a ton of show this year, to really maximize the opportunity that we have to create something that we wish we had. Mm-hmm maybe as children, but certainly as parents, um, to make this whole thing easier for all of us. Because whether, you know, um, whether it is because you are in a, you know, a mixed culture family where trying to teach them three or four cultures is getting ever more difficult, or even if you, um, you know, my wife is Korean, but even here it is hard because, you know, what world are we raising them into, right? Like, I was born in Korea, came here when I was eight. So, like, I knew the language, I still have it. But for my two kids and for Jang's four year old, like, what world are they going to live in? And what world do we want them to be grown up in? And are, you know, will the world or will they expect themselves to learn Korean? But do, you know, do they care to, you know? So, like, it just raises a lot of questions for us as parents that even our own parents can't answer. We can't rely on them because for them, it was a different immigrant experience. Right. And so, um, and, you know, when, I, when I, have, I have friends, and we all do, of, like, Japanese ancestry or descent who have been here four, five, six generations because their immigration boom happened way earlier, like, many of them don't speak Japanese, and they're okay with it. But others are completely fluent, even when they're fifth generation. So it, it all depends. You know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But I do think having these resources like Tiger Boom that you've created, I think if you want to, it is a really fun, creative, and um, accessible way, as you mentioned, to teach them through everyday things that it's not so academic in a way that is very uh, fluent and weaves into a, a child's daily activities.
1: Um, to- talking about passion project, I wanted to uh, take this time a little bit uh, to focus on your new passion project project that's kicking out soon. Um, can you tell us about your book, Haja?
2: Yes, I'm really, really excited about this book, um, it is formatted not only for kids to get that Korean exposure, but for people like me with mixed families or maybe they don't have confidence in their Korean. Um, I actually have a lot of friends who are second generation or first generation Korean and they'll say things like, oh, we didn't really use Korean because my parents wanted us to focus on English or, you know, they used Korean with their family, but they always got teased so they didn't have the confidence or they spoke fluent with with their family, but then when they went to school and stuff, they didn't use it at all because they were embarrassed. So, you know, there are a lot of parents I think out there with the language exposure, but maybe they don't have the confidence in kind of like what I was saying earlier, you know, like, how would you ask your child to, you know, just like tidy up or something like that. So this book is going to be part of hopefully a bigger series where um, when you read the books with your children, you'll get this Korean exposure, like a very um, intentional story. I use the word loosely because it's not really a story. It's just kind of like, you know, like grandma is, is washing the dishes and um, you'll get that exposure in Korean. But then for adults or caregivers or older kids who are sort of like tapping into that language, there are also speech bubbles where there's like a, le- you know, a little bit of conversation happening. So I think of it as like the very first textbook. Like baby beginner textbook, because you have that a little bit of grammar. And so like, it's all about kind of like, like, let's do it together, like, let's sweep, let's clean, let's wash the dishes. And so the more that you read these books, the more you have confidence as the caregiver as well to use these kind of patterns throughout the day. Um, you know, like, let's do the laundry, put it in the washer, that kind of thing. And so the other books that will follow will be really similar, like, oh, I like to go outside. I like this, I like that. Or, um, you know, like what? Um, so I want to do the, the phrase books, but then I also want to have, you know, the word books. And I think with those, because it's a little more simple concept, my plan is to weave in a little bit more of culture. Um, and so, you know, like for example, in, in Let's Clean Up, uh, some of the scenes are, you know, inside the house and maybe they have like one traditional Korean furniture. Or like the pillow is like Pojagi inspired, you know, because I think that's sort of what some of these homes might look like for these kids. Um, So that's kind of my intention with these books. And I feel, you know, like so excited about it. I've been getting I've been working with some uh, speech pathologists, other illustrators, um, language, Korean language educators uh, to make sure that it's that the text that we use is very intentional and helps reinforce the language for beginners, you know, beginners in speaking, but also for caregivers like, like me. And I, you know, I, I, some of the feedback I've gotten from some of them who are also mixed of mixed descent, you know, were kind of like what you're saying, Jerry, like, oh, growing up, I felt I didn't have an ownership to the language because I was mixed or I didn't feel secure about it. Or, you know, my parents didn't feel confident enough to just bring like a Japanese book home to read with me. So, I, you know, I feel really passionate about this. I want um, families like mine to have access to this. So if my mom comes over, she can just read the book to him in English. Or, you know, if I want to read it with him, we can do it in Korean. So that, that's what this po- project is about. And I'm really excited about it.
0: I think that's awesome. You, you, the last point that you brought up, Katie, which is creating tools that will help um, our parents and our children, so their grandparents learn together. I think that's missing because um, we have predominantly English-based books, uh, which are a challenge for most Korean grandparents here um, in the states to to read and to understand. Uh, we also have um, my my wife's parents saved all her Korean kumdori books from thirty-some <laughs> odd years ago, and so. We have that, but like we have the opposite problem where my parents can read it, but like the attention span of the kids, like, unless you explain it to them in English, what's going on (laughs) through pictures. So, like, to have a book that's multi, that's bilingual, and so that they can both understand, um, I I think that's pretty unique and that's pretty special. Um, You know, maybe not the original primary intent of these books, but I think one of the things that will help is. the ability to connect generations through their love of learning, and and one thing that I think is really special and unique to the Korean language, particularly, is the concept of togetherness. Right, like when when we when we uh, direct our children in English to do something, it's rarely "let's do something together." It's generally a command of "Hey, you clean." you go to your room, right? Like, but in the Korean language, just the way it's designed, it's a lot of let's do things together. And so I do think subtly and, you know, informally that creates a mindset of belonging and, you know, collectivism that I think um, we've all learned in 2020, America needs a little bit of uh, lessons in collectivism and, and doing things for other people, but it is all rooted in concept of family and group. So like when we say let's clean, it's Hey, I'm doing it with you. I'm not the father. I'm not the mother telling you to do something as a command, but I'm here to participate with you. And so I think those are um, subtle yet very important lessons that we are teaching our children, not only through not just the language part, but just through a lot of, uh, you know, psychological and behavioral things as well.
1: Well, um, at my last question
0: um, before closing um
1: I, w- I want to kind of um, finish off with um, hearing about your hopes and dreams about this project and also for your child and how, where it's going to go um, and so that our audience can resonate
2: with you. Yes. Well, so, you know, my Korean language journey and I guess cultural journey will just continue. Um, I really love... Visiting Korea, and it's something that I've done more and more over the years. And I really, especially now that we are locked down, I like cannot wait to go back and bring my son. Um, So, you know, I think that would just be such a special experience um, as a family. And I, you know, I really have big dreams for Tiger Boom. I hope it continues to grow and can continue to be a community for families like mine. to get this exposure and just sense of comfort uh, from, you know, the resources that I'm creating, uh, I would love to see it be a part of many families' homes so that they can, yeah, like, like you said, have this bridge that connects us all. But also for Korean Americans or families that are more mixed to not have resources that they don't feel match their lives, you know. So that is definitely my hope, and you know, we'll see. my son retains any Korean at all um I'm like pleasantly surprised more and more my husband thought my son is just saying gibberish recently and then we realized he's been counting to 10 in Korean so I was just like wow like I'm so happy I'm so impressed like yay 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 go me So yeah, I mean that's our I would say so. Um, yeah. yeah. That's our journey. I'm really excited. Um, and I really, really appreciate you guys having me on the show um, to be a part of this. I think it's wonderful.
0: So we'll have the links to where you can find Katie, Tiger Boom, everywhere, Instagram.com. And we'll put the link to her Kickstarter, which is going to be kicking off this week in hopes to fund the first shipment of books. I'll be supporting the Kickstarter. Jang I know you will be as well and I encourage everybody to do the same and, and more, you know just as important as the actual content of the book I as as we do often on the show if we want more stuff like this to happen there's a very very simple way buy stuff that we make So we need to, you know, because the support starts here, right? Before we can get the publishers or the Amazons or the Barnes and Nobles to take our stuff seriously, we need to validate it with success. We need to validate it with things and projects, just like we do in Hollywood or anything in life. They don't care about the heart as much as we do. They care about the bottom line. And so we need to speak their language and say, hey, if there's a Korean American children's book that's gotten, you know, massive support from the Kickstarter community and, um, to get the attention and to have written about it. We need to do our part. I know finances are not the easiest topic to talk about in 2020 for a lot of families, but if you're able, if you're lucky enough to still have some disposable income and able to invest in this, please do support and buy a couple extra for your friends and your nieces and your nephews, because we all know somebody in our family that needs it. If your kids go to daycares and schools and your kid is the only Korean why not buy a box of these books and gift it to the school and saying, hey, we want to share a little bit of what makes us unique and special with our friends, because that's also important. And so we'll we'll put that on there. Kickstarter will go live this week. And it's a modest goal in the world of Kickstarter. So (laughs) I'm hoping and I'm confident that we can help Katie hit it, get these books here. And it's supposed to get here in May to help us celebrate um, APA Heritage Month as well. And so all things considered, let's go support our friends' work, um, particularly the ones that help our culture and our language get out. So Katie, thank you so much for the work that you do. I know so far, it probably has been a lot more hours in, in the you know, energy giving column. And you know, hopefully as, as your account and your influence begins to grow, I'm um, really excited to see what comes of Tiger Bloom in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. I want to thank our guest and for you for joining us today as we share our stories and our perspectives along our own Korean American Parenting journeys. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Korean American Parenting, and be sure to check out our website, koreanamericanparenting.com, to learn more about the podcast, about us, and about our community. Please take a moment to rate and review this episode if you are listening to us on Apple and share this episode and this podcast with a friend or two in your life who you think would benefit from listening to us. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We wish you all the health and happiness as we go along our parenting journeys together. And we'll see you next time on the Korean American Parenting Podcast.